Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert, Julian McKenzie, and Julian, I don't know about you. But I've always wanted to once again live in a world where scoring 100 points in 53 games was a possibility and not a pipe dream. And as I woke up this morning, today, I was. Uh, Connor McDavid hit the slightly arbitrary, completely cool number last night with four points and a 4-3 win over the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Pucks were collected. Sticks were held for safekeeping. Possibly donation to a certain Hockey Hall of Fame. We'll never know. Well, we might. Uh, And hearts around the country were made full. Are you feeling similarly hockey happy this morning? What do I say on this podcast all the time about Connor McDavid? What do I say about yeah. him all the time? Not to what was get it? bored. Don't get, get bored, bored of Connor McDavid. Bored. Do not get bored. You see, once that five on three came in, actually, you know what? I'll peel back the curtain for all the listeners of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast here. Okay. So usually the night before the podcast. Justin will come to me and be like, all right, we're going to talk about this, 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 and this. Nine times Mm -hmm. out of ten, like, he knows what we're going to talk about. And I realized Connor McDavid was not on the list. And I was like, okay, I'm sure we'll mention him at some point. Connor McDavid gets his 99th point, and then Justin's like, yeah, he's going to get 100. We're going to mention him off the top of the show. This was at the 99th point. We did not know if he was going to get the 100 point, but, I mean, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. Once they got that five on three, I was like, all right, how's he going to do it? And lo and behold – he did the little rah thing and all of his teammates kind of jumped around him and hugged him and celebrated. It was a really great sight to see. That's one of the best moments we've seen, uh, not just of the past week, but of this entire season. Connor McDavid getting 100 points in 53 games. In fact, you could even kept it 100. He didn't get a point in the third period, so Ooh. he kept it at 100 points. I like that. Uh, I actually thought you were going to make fun of me for not including him when it was probably pretty predictable that he would get four points. I'm not sure when exactly that text message was sent. Uh, I'm not sure if he had one or two by then, but it probably should have been pretty uh, pretty obvious to both of us that Saturday night, marquee game, marquee night against the Vancouver Canucks, who are, you know, they've devolved into something that looks more like a men's team right now. We're going to give up those four points to Connor McDavid and, as you mentioned, keep it 100 by not going too crazy in the third period. My archaic hot take... And just saying that sounds like a segment that we're going to be using in the future, my archaic hot take, uh, was that, you know, Edmonton was kind of doing itself a disservice by, you know, playing just this, all the focus on McDavid, let's get him 100 points, let's let's like stop playing a regular brand of hockey to get him 100 points. That's what it seemed like at least, but I mean, I think they might have stumbled on the formula here. If you just <laughs> accentuate the greatest player of the world, maybe that's the best version of yourself. I don't know, Edmonton, maybe by, you know, taking... All the all the restraints off this team is is just the best way to approach every game because it seems like I mean if you're scoring four points a night because you're trying to score four points a night why aren't we trying to score four points a night every night with Connor McDavid it just seems a little bit uh, it seems like they've stumbled on a little something here I think so and it's not even like oh hey let's get Connor McDavid to score four goals a night or three goals a night it's let's get him four points that means he's getting goals and assists the the one hundred point of the season was on a Leon Dreisaitl goal, who, congrats to Mm -hmm. him, he also got over 500 points in his career. But this is a guy who can create offense by scoring goals or making passes. Like, he's a a very outstanding offensive player, and that's that's an understatement in me saying that. So, yeah, that's a pretty good formula, considering that everyone else gets the share in the wealth. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's not 
let's not overthink this. Let's not nope. galaxy brain this. Zach Cassia, no. Let's not have him on the top line because that's not the best way to use Connor McDavid. Let's keep Jujar Kara at as fewer minutes as we possibly can and let's load up that top line. Let's load up those power plays and let's go out there and try and outscore the opposition. It just seems like it makes a lot of sense. What a novel concept. <laughs> We'll see what happens with the Oilers if they continue on this now that they've got those milestones or whether they try to go playoff brand here and and really go after it uh, in the postseason. We will see what happens. Uh, It was a great week for Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers who have had quite a few great weeks uh, uh, recently. Uh, But it was not a good week for the New York Rangers. uh, And that's where we are going to start. I want to have a Rangers discussion without Tom Wilson because... Or, or at least using Tom Wilson as merely an anecdote, because he's involved in this story, let's be honest. Uh, but this has turned into a story more about the Rangers, obviously, because they've had such a turbulent week. They fired two, you know, respected hockey men. Uh, they seem to have devolved into a New York Knicks situation with the o- owner, James Dolan, interfering with something that was, well, I guess it hasn't been good for the Knicks, but it has been good for the Rangers, but still Dolan wants to get into the mix. Uh, so I'll go through a brief timeline here just so we know where we are. You know, we started the week with Tom Wilson running amok, punching Pavel Buchnevich in the, in the back of the head, ending Artemi Panarin's season with a head and arm throw that would, you know, make most judo practitioners, uh, you know, feel pretty good about themselves or feel pretty proud of the, of Tom Wilson's efforts. Uh, and then the Rangers basically responded to the no suspension thing by calling out George Peros. So we have Wilson doing the crime, not being uh, subject to any fines or or there was a fine, but no suspension. And then the Rangers taking exception to that. And then it really got shocking with the Rangers firing John Davidson and Jeff Gordon, who apparently tried to distance themselves from the statement. Then the two teams played each other again, and the Rangers attempted to make a mockery of the whole thing by having, you know, stage fights to start, six individual fights, many more tried to. I mean, I think there was a, a guy playing in his third NHL game who tried to fight TJ Oshie, who had just returned from the death of his father, which was obviously not a good look, but I think it gives you a little bit of an inside look at the mentality of this team uh, in that moment. And then, of course, all that hijinks that ensued, the only thing that really came of it was Pavel Buchnevich getting suspended for a high stick on Anthony Mantha, providing the full circle irony that this story needed. Um, so what was your reaction to the totality of all this? And, and, and what do you feel? What do you feel now about the Rangers compared to what you did feel before? And, and where are they going to go from here? Okay. I just need to get this out the way first. The fact that Pavel Buchnevich was at the beginning of all this, getting hit by Tom Wilson and this pretty much ends with him taking, doing the cross-check to Anthony Mantha and getting suspended. Irony is the right word here? Like, like that's just such a ridiculous thing to have happen. Also, it's very predictable. On, very, very predictable. Very predictable. Also, on another week uh, on this podcast, if it wasn't for all of the brouhaha with the Rangers and all that, we take some time. And I'm not sure if you were going to mention him in the tire pump at all but we spare some time to talk about TJ Yoshi and what he's gone through because of the fact that he loses his father and he goes out and scores a hat trick in his first game after losing his dad. That goes down in one of the best moments we've seen all season in the national hockey league. So it's a damn shame that that gets un- that gets pretty much smothered by all of this nonsense with what happened, but I'll keep it to the New York Rangers here. I'm really surprised at, you know, John Davidson and Jeff and, and and Gordon being relieved of their duties, essentially in the aftermath of what happened with mm-hmm. the debacle here. And I'm sorry, you can't tell me otherwise that what happened on Monday night, last Monday night, doesn't have anything to do with those firings. You you could fire those two guys and feel the way you want to feel about their rebuilding efforts in the offseason or at any point in the year, but you decide to do it, you know, like not even like three, four days after, you know, this horrible incident. I'm trying not to say Tom Wilson's name clearly, even <laughs> though I just did. But look, I, I just think it's a, it's a damn shame because everyone's been, I mean, at least from what I've seen, everyone's been kind of praising the Rangers for how they've gone about this. Yes, they got Artemi Panarin and Jacob Truba and some good free agents, but it's pretty clear mm-hmm. with this team, they were going to try to build themselves upward to eventually become a playoff contending team. They were not ready. That's the consensus on this Rangers team. And maybe next year would have been the year where they compete for a playoff spot fully, or maybe even the year after that. They're not looking to 
to, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup in the next few years, not with teams like Vegas and Carolina and Toronto and all these other teams stepping into contender status. Or, hey, maybe the, the rebuild gets accelerated to that point, but who knows? But the Rangers were not ready. And clearly this mm-hmm. is a, a, the fact that Davidson and Gorton have been relieved of their duties. This is just James Dolan just being a bit impatient here, I think. I think if you, if you, if you really want to get rid of them, you could have gotten rid of them in the offseason. But I don't see the harm in keeping them for at least one more year and see what the core does with that. I just think it's a really ridiculous thing for, for James Dolan to do. But also, it's James Dolan, and we've seen what he's – what his, med- what his meddling will do with the New York Knicks. Think about it. This is the year the New York Knicks are good. They're in a playoff mm-hmm. spot. Oh, he got bored. Great. He got bored. He's just like, you know he what? I need, I need some instability. I need some madness to happen. Let's just, yeah. let's just fire John Davidson and Jeff Gordon. Let's just, let's just do that. But hey, good on Chris Jury. He gets himself a job. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's impossible for uh, – it is impossible to separate Tom Wilson for this. I think the uh, the meme with the Joker from Batman staggering out of the hospital as it blows up behind him, I think that's exactly the perfect snapshot of this because that is Tom Wilson in this scenario. He left the New York Rangers in ruins, and I don't think you can separate it as much as you want to, you know – Take take someone's word for it that's inside the organization. Yeah, they're trying to put a spin on it. Like you, you certainly have your sources, and I and I don't I don't fault anyone for uh, relaying what they're hearing. But I think you're being a little bit naive if you try and separate these things. I wrote about this this saga this week and identified three potential reasons for the firing. One just being that Dolan was unhappy with the growth of this team, which is fair. It's his prerogative. It's his team, but it's also wildly misguided because. As you mentioned, there has been so much growth. I mean, signing three years ago, not even three years ago, or just a little over three years ago, they wrote a letter to fans saying that a rebuild was coming. And in that time, you have chosen first and second overall without scraping the bottom of the barrel, really at all. Maybe for one season, you were truly bad. But they got Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, two guys to actually build around here. They traded for Adam Fox, who might win a Norris Trophy, not this year, probably, but soon he might win a Norris Trophy. They got a free agent contract done with Artemi Panarin. They have two young goaltenders who can potentially step into the large shoes that Henrik Lundqvist left. Like, there's been so much good that the that the current regime has done, and to not see that is, again, misguided. So, you got to look at the other the options. That maybe this was all over the decision to criticize the league. Maybe John Davidson and Jeff Gordon didn't want to be involved in it. So, he said, if you're not going to back me, I'm out, or you're out. I'm, I'm done with you. I'm just, this isn't going to work if you're going to try to save face over here while this is what this organization stands for. And I could see, I guess, a potential philosophical divide there. But what I do believe is that it's a hybrid of the two. The philosophical divides, rather, they run pretty deep with this organization with Dolan not liking the type of team. And the type of team that they don't have is a team that can do anything when Tom Wilson decides he wants to be a bully out there. They, they could not do a single thing. You had Artemi Panarin jumping on his back and getting thrown around like a rag doll. Like, that's just not... It's fine, because it's it's so totally separate for the game. It doesn't matter, but wins, wins and losses don't affect that incident or aren't influenced by that incident. But maybe James Dolan didn't like the fact that his proud organization was getting embarrassed in the street fight type of, uh, you know, scenario that this game can sometimes provide. And... As I mentioned before, Tom Wilson exposed that. So if Do- Dolan doesn't like the type of team they're building, even though it seems like it's going to be a good team, and even though it could be a team that could add some phil- phil- physical elements in the future, but that coupled with the fact that they weren't going to be, they weren't going to stand by him in the moment, I think that combination is what ultimately led to this exit from those two guys. And if that's true, then Tom Wilson left them in ruins, and there's no other way to spin it. Even at that, like, is it that much of a philosophical divide that, you know, if you don't want your team to get bullied, it doesn't do you anything to, to kind of step out of your office, go down to where John Davidson and Jeff Gordon are and be like, hey, in the offseason, we're getting tougher. Go out and get some third or fourth line guys who can step up to a guy like Tom Wilson. Done. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's nothing. You know, he didn't say, hey, we need a superstar player and you need to sacrifice all these all these different draft picks to make a deal happen. He didn't say no. Uh, we're not talking about a situation where a team has to be like, you know what, this team cannot compete. Go and trade the best defense when you've had in the last how many years and dismantle your core. No, we're talking about getting bit players to step up to a bully. That's why I have a hard time believing that, you know, 
it's something like this, a thought process like that would be enough to say, you know what, like if you're not going to back me on that, then I'm getting you out of here. It really has to all to do with just that statement and just James Dolan just having to find a way to put himself in any kind of mess here. It's just, it's, it, I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but I'm just really surprised here because the Rangers really were on a good trajectory. And I feel like now, unless, unless Chris Jury just kind of steadies the waters here a little bit, I'm just a bit fearful for them that they're just going to try to rush things because yes, they are on their way, but I don't think they're ready yet. But uh, it's very clear that uh, with the events that happened over this past week, they definitely played a role. I mean, at least to me, you can't tell me otherwise. They played a role in why John Davidson and Jeff Gordon are without jobs. Yeah, because if you didn't like the direction of the team or, or certain aspects of the team in terms of their toughness or whatever, I mean, you could just have a discussion about that. But yeah. I think that that's that is why um, the the incident, the the statement, the backing away from the statement. If you're uh, John Davidson or Jeff Gordon, I think that all played into it. Clearly, things were not operating the way Dolan wanted to, and Dolan's the guy that cuts everyone's checks, and Dolan's the guy that has this chaos pedigree uh that he's shown with you know 20 last 20 years of the new york knicks like if you're not gonna if you're gonna go the opposite way if you're gonna zig while he's zagging then you're probably gonna be left in his wake um okay so we, we kind of have an idea of what the, the new york rangers may, might want to look like moving forward what what do you think is ne- gonna be next for james dolan chris jury is mark messier who delivered maybe the the most insight into what dolan might be thinking with his uh, criticism of their team toughness. Is he going to play a role? Is Glenn Sather going to be more involved than he was? I think he became sort of uh, just an advisor for Dolan, which might tell you something about his thinking as well. Uh, what, what do you think the Rangers are going to do? Are they going to go spend a first round pick and acquire Ryan Reeves just to uh, just to make sure <laughs> that they can they can hang in the the uh, the alley with Tom Wilson? I mean, like if the Rangers don't come out of it with moves like that, I don't know if they necessarily have to get Ryan Reeves, but if they don't get someone like that, then, you know, what was all of that for? Right. I mean, I I have to imagine if they really want to be this tougher team that could step up to a thug like Tom Wilson, fine. They're going to at least do something in that regard. But I think at the end of the day, it seems as if with those firings, the Rangers should at least make moves that are going to try to make them into a playoff team. And then after mm-hmm. that, you end up being a Stanley Cup contender after a few playoff appearances and improvements in that regard. So whether it's swinging for the fences for another impact player uh, as well to add on to other things on their offseason list, the goal for the Rangers now, I think it's pretty set here. Next year, they have to make the playoffs. I think the firings of the two hockey men uh, in Davidson and Gordon have kind of accelerated that process. Not that I would have wanted the Rangers to be mired in mediocrity. I just thought it would have been a bit more natural uh, into next year. I just think now the urgency to make the playoffs next year has been accentuated. Opportunities abound for sure. I mean, John Davidson's a hockey hall of famer. He could walk away and just, you know, step into a, uh, a beautiful retirement home of his choosing and, and go that route. Or he could be on TV at ESPN or TNT next year. He could be, you know, the head of another franchise. I mean, this is going to be a guy who's going to be highly sought after. And I believe Jeff Gordon will be the same. I mean, you can't ignore what he's done in rebuilding this Rangers team in very short order. And of course, Chris Drury, who uh, this is like Stan Bowman territory, potentially where he's going to inherit what is pretty much 90% of the job and maybe he can tinker around the edges and, and turn this into a legitimate Stanley Cup uh, contender or at least a team that makes the playoffs. I do think they have a lot of pieces in place and maybe that maybe all they need is a Ryan Reeves type. Honestly, they are close. They're not there yet. There's still have some growth to do. I mean, Alexi Lafreniere is not ready to be uh, or wasn't ready to be, you know, a superstar player this year. Maybe he will be next year. Maybe Zabinajad and Panarin will have, I guess, They'll have to have bounce back seasons to a certain degree. I don't think they were as good as they were last year. Uh, But this is definitely a team that has a lot of potential. And Chris Drury has a hell of an opportunity in front of him. Uh, In a previous regime, John Tortorella was head coach of the New York Rangers. Today, he's coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. But tomorrow or the next day or very soon, he will not be. Uh, He's going to leave after six seasons. Uh, it's been wildly reported that John Tortorella will not be back next year, even though the, he has had, or he does have one more year on his contract. Uh, and he's going to leave after having 
pretty significant success, at least in the context of the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise for postseason appearances. One of the most memorable upsets in postseason history. He dealt a crushing blow to the Toronto Maple Leafs in last year's bubble. John Tortorella is two things. He is an effective coach and he is a coach and he is a coach, rather, with a firm expiry date, and he reached it with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, is it as simple as that? I think so. I I think that the successes that he's had with that organization should not be uh, left aside. I think he the fact that he led them to a playoff series victory, not just against any team, but against a team that was widely favored to win the Cup that year, uh, that should never be forgotten. It's, pro- it's the high point of the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise, and he could yeah. say he did that. But he also caused a lot of fractures with a number of different players in that organization. And I don't think all of those guys, like an Artemi Panarin or Sergei Bobrovsky leaving or, or, or uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting out and going to Winnipeg, uh, that's not an accident that there are all these different players who probably did not feel uh, that John Tortorella was, it's not to say he didn't have the best interest at heart, but maybe he just wasn't necessarily the best coach for them, the best fit for them. And, you know, it, it, it's one thing that's important to point out in this is that John Tortorella, he said he did not want to return to this team. But I also have to wonder with how this year has gone, did Jarmo Kekalainen actually want him back? And is this John Tortorella saying, you know what, like, I kind of see the writing on the wall. Let me step out of here. Like, I, I don't know. I just think there was mm-hmm. like a lot of damage. Uh, I mean, you get Patrick Laine when we all know of the goal scoring prowess that he has and the talent that he has and the shop that he does. And he's, 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 he's sucked this year. <laughs> I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, his stats have not are kind of comparable to Patrick Laine's right now, but this trade yeah. hasn't really worked out for either side, especially for Patrick Laine, who a lot of people felt, Oh man, Columbus got the better player in that deal. And maybe they should have, but he really has not looked good under John Tortorella. Uh, Max Domi, who, scored over almost 30 goals one year in the Montreal Canadiens, wanted to be a center, hasn't really worked out with Columbus as well. Maybe that's him, but I also wonder how much that has to play with John Tortorella. It's pretty clear that John Tortorella, with the pieces that he had this year, was not able to maximize it into a playoff team. And I have to wonder, you know, yes, he had done all the, he had done all those great things in Columbus. Yes, he he's one of the better coaches we've seen over the last few years, but, and, and good on him for, for taking it upon himself to be like, you know what, I'm going to leave on my own terms, but I would have been really surprised if Columbus said, yeah, we're going to stick by him for another season. I I just think the writing was on the wall. And there was another piece from The Athletic that came out about John Tortorella, and, and they got some anonymous names to speak about him. And it wasn't necessarily the most glowing reviews, so to speak. No. I don't know. I, I think John Tortorella's time was up and good on him for realizing that it was the case and he could step out and go to some other market. But I don't know if they wanted him back. Yeah, I mean, it It was only six seasons, but he was the fourth longest tenured coach in the league, which tells you something about the just the shelf life for all these guys, right? Like John Tortorella is a polarizing figure, a guy who's going to ruffle some feathers, a guy who's going to make some enemies wherever he's working. And yet he lasted the fourth longest in the league at the current moment, which, you know, it, it probably that that in itself basically says that, you know, the time should probably be up here. Uh, I mentioned the Joker meme with Tom Wilson. It kind of applies to John Tortorella as well. I mean, he's leaving the Blue Jackets in a bit of disarray because, I mean, I think, I don't know if the trade for Line and Pierre-Luc Dubois happens if the relationship wasn't fractured between Tortorella, who by some accounts didn't even want to return this year, um, which which if you're Yarmo Kekalainen and you read those tea leaves, why are you trading a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, when you know that your coach, you're taking the side of your coach who doesn't even want to be in the room anymore, which is which is very strange. But um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 reasons why it's Tortorella's, it's partly Tortorella's blame, and there's reasons why Columbus is in the position they're in, just for other reasons, which is that other star players want to be in other markets, which is fair. Uh, but I don't think John Tortorella is the right coach for a team that's clearly embarking on a, on a rebuild. So this is probably good news for Yarmo Kukalainen and the Blue Jackets, other than the fact that they have to pay. Well, maybe if he's leaving and if he's voluntarily leaving, they don't have to they don't have to pay for him. and He's going to have his contract terminated, but it doesn't really matter. I think a change was certainly in order as this team looks to, uh, you know, turn over the net, turn over a new leaf and, and start fresh. As for Tortorella, I mean, it sounds like he wants to coach again, which is interesting, I guess. Uh, I'm having a little bit of trouble believing or being convinced that that's a certainty. Um, 
if you look at the coaches in the league right now, few of them are of Tortorella's ilk. There's a lot of there's a lot more progressive thinking going on. There's a lot of uh, there's a new generation coming up. There's a lot of different personalities that are being coveted, and many of them run, you know, perpendicular to what John Tortorella provides. Certainly, there might be a coach or a general ma- or a general manager rather that's going to be interested, or an organization that's going to be interested. But I don't know if it's going to be very easy for John Tortorella to get that job. This is also someone with television experience. Not to just relay everything I was saying about John Davidson and and the Rangers in an earlier discussion, uh, but you know there are two new networks that might want that Tortorella type, which is inflammatory and brash and outspoken, and might be able to. Uh, cause a debate with his opinions during intermissions. Uh, it seemed like a chore for him in a previous life when he was on the TSN panel, but you know, it seems possible that that's something that happens as that's a move that many or a step many take to get back into the game. And there's a lot of money being thrown out right now. So uh, I feel like that's more of a possibility than coaching anytime soon. Um, what do you think is next for torts? I have a hot take uh, about torts. Uh, even though it did seem like it was a laborious chore or laborious chore for for him with TSN to to be on TV and do the quiz, I would rather see John Tortorella grumbling and being upset about being on TV than Wayne Gretzky on ESPN or TNT. (laughs) Wayne Gretzky's the GOAT. I get it. Uh, But I don't know if he's necessarily going to be as engaging of a personality to talk about hockey by comparison to what John Tortorella could just do by just looking like someone pissed in his cornflakes when he watches like a highlight of some guy hot dogging at some, I think it would be comical, but I also don't see him going to TV at all. I think his heart is in coaching. The one thing I just have to wonder, you bring up a really good point with the fact that a lot of these new coaches are a bit more progressive in how they handle players what soul searching is John Tortorella going to have to do to show that he's able to do that. Um, yeah. I think some people could go to bat for torts and say that, you know, he does care about his players, but it does seem as if, you know, at least from an outsider's perspective, he might have to change his methods a little bit. And it mm-hmm. might, he might need a bit more time than like a month or two to prove to NHL teams that he needs to do that. Or there could be an NHL GM that was really desperate, maybe in Buffalo, if they don't like what Don Granato's doing, he's been okay there, but yeah. I mean, John Tortorella might be a step up there. And if nothing else, even if John Tortorella is going to, you know, go into his players and 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 really try to not rile them up, but he could be a bit of a hard ass on some of those guys, he can at least kind of get them to overachieve a little bit. And a team like Buffalo could certainly use some overachieving, especially after what they've gone through the last few years. Yeah, I think he could potentially, you know, lift their baseline up as well. But if you hire John Tortorella, you might be just ensuring that Jack Eichel eventually, or does pull the trigger oh God, on the yeah. trade request that many people have have uh, assumed is coming or has come or will come in the near future. Um, yeah, I, I think the problem with Tortorella is, though, that he has changed already, right? He's yeah, changed yeah. from the Vancouver days when he was like, it was almost like he was going to war every night and he wanted to fight everyone and he was just out of his mind. And I think he's mellowed a little bit. But there's only so far you can swing in the opposite direction. At the end of the day, you are who you are. And I think the problem with him is he's reverted back a little bit to what he was. Uh, And I think maybe he found the best version of himself at a certain point in Columbus. But eventually, it all started to fracture a little bit. It fractured with guys like PLD. It fractured with other members of the organization. You can only assume Max Domi doesn't seem to be enjoying life there. And Patrick Laine didn't like life there. And... Patrick Laine is so crucial to the future of the Columbus Blue Jackets. If they find a way, or if they fail to find a way, rather, to extend him, to keep him in Columbus, I mean, it's it's just a disaster scenario for them. It's, it's this regime can't recover from this type of situation if Patrick Laine decides, like many others, that he just doesn't want to be a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. A new coach could potentially rescue that. Someone that's going to cater directly to Patrick Laine could rescue that. And that's probably a reason why, or part of the reason why, Columbus is breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief um, with John Tortorella deciding he doesn't want to be around anymore. Yeah, the last thing I'll just say on this is that, you know, Tortorella, if you go through his history with how he's dealt with players in Columbus, this is a guy who had a tiff with Ryan Johansson when he was there. So Mm -hmm. the fact that 
we're, we're reading into all the different players he might not be on the best terms with now. This is a guy who pretty much throughout his tenure has had rifts with certain guys. And I understand that could happen with different coaches, but if you're Yarmo Kekalana in the Blue Jackets, a guy like Lane, as you perfectly illustrated, that's one tiff too many, and they've lost too much to kind of just let him go for nothing. It, it just seems like his mandate is treating every player the exact same way. And I think at this stage of the NHL, you can't treat your top line forward the same as your taxi squad guy. It's just, you, yeah. you gotta be a little bit more preferential. And, and John Tortorella has never been preferential. Um, okay, let's move on to some encouraging news. I guess we heard, we always take a little something from headlines on Hockey Night in Canada in the second intermission uh, of the first game or the first games. Uh, and the biggest nugget I think that we got from Elliot and CJ was that uh, Canadian teams are going to be in the process of getting vaccinated. I think that's in line with a lot of what we've seen, you know, just in, in, I don't know how things are in Quebec, but in Ontario, people 18 plus are starting to get going. And that means that teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs who have waited their turn and have not jumped any lines can now get into the line. Uh, And it won't be a line. They won't be going to uh, the civic center to get a jab. Instead, they were going to have their physicians come in on Sunday, which is when we're recording to hand out those first doses. Um, This is major news. I don't know if it's going to change exactly what's going to happen, but I think in the back of the mind of many Leaf fans, maybe fans of other teams that are going to the playoffs thought, you know, this could all be undone if uh, one slip-up causes one infection that enters the locker room and spreads it throughout the entire team. Everything that they've worked towards could be all for naught. So I think this is definitely an opportunity for the fans of the Maple Leafs, fans for other teams in Canada to breathe a little sigh of relief. It looks like they're going to be able to get through this. It's not going to be at the extent of American teams who are going to be playing in front of crowds who are going to be able to relax their measures as we also learned at headlines is that uh, the fully vaccinated teams are going to be able to do certain things uh, that you know we've discussed with Robin Leonard and his issues with the league but this is a good thing for Canadian teams and it's going to hopefully set up for a safer Stanley Cup playoffs at least north of the border. I hope so. Uh, I know for Quebec, I believe this is the week where uh, I think by the end of the week, people who are 18 and over, everyone should, who's 18 and over should be able to have access to be able to get the vaccine. So counting the days for me, um, but I, I would imagine the Montreal Canadiens will be able to benefit from that as well. In fact, I believe mm-hmm. as we're recording, uh, the Bell Center should be opened up uh, as a vaccination center for people to go in and get vaccines. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I would hope for Canadian teams, uh, you know, for them to get vaccinated, especially the ones going into the playoffs. It's a bit of a sigh of relief for them, even if it is only the first dose and they see that uh, their neighbors south of the border have been able to get their second doses and start to live life a little bit closer to normal than what they've been seeing. I don't know what it'll mean for them going forward as they go into the playoffs here or what that might mean for them as they, you know, enter like the third round like imagine if it's a toronto or an edmonton that makes it to that conference oh sorry they don't call it the conference finals they call it the stanley cup semifinals i'll try Mm. to get that right uh i don't know what it'll mean for them going forward in terms of a home ice advantage or if that could sway some things here and there Uh, another thing i should point out too with these canadian teams getting only the first dose of the vaccine at least from what we've seen while it does decrease the likelihood of transmission of getting COVID, obviously hopefully those players can still be careful uh, and, and just understand that, you know, they're still weeks away from getting that second dose and they're not fully vaccinated unless they, right. they're all getting the Johnson and Johnson one dose, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, a, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, at this point, no sense getting mad about how the process has been so long. Just when you see the light in sight, like at this point, you just kind of reach for it. Like no sense complaining about it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I mean... I feel like it's somewhat fitting that it's happening when it's happening. Like it was a test yeah. for these teams, right? Like it, it was, it was, you had to get through the entire year to get to this point. You had to be diligent or it was going to cost you. And it's cost teams like Vancouver. It's cost teams like Montreal. Um, and I have trouble not pointing out the fact that the Maple Leafs were like model citizens in this. Like, it seems like they're doing it. And, I, and I'm closer to it, obviously, because I know exactly what's happening uh, in Ontario, but you know, they didn't skip the line. They didn't do this and that. They were very, you know, they talked about how they had to be so behaved and, and all that and, and very diligent for this all to work out. They understood it very, right from the beginning. And now it seems they're getting to the point where they can get it, you know, not skipping the line after, you know, their turn, legitimately their turn. And I think that's an important thing. This It's very, uh, you have to be political, politically correct, correct in this. You had to be uh, you had to wait until it was truly your turn. And now that they've got to the point where it is truly turn their turn in terms of the Canadian teams or getting to it, like it, it's just proof that it's not proof. It's just, you know, they went through the process like anyone else. They didn't have preferential treatment and there's no reason to be upset with the fact that these NHL teams are going to be vaccinated. I don't know what it means moving forward, uh, for the playoffs, um, I think a lot of it is going to hinge on what's happening in the United States in terms of whether or not the Canadian team that does get through the division is going to be able to host games. I think it's about 60% of the American teams are fully vaccinated. I might be wrong on that. Um, But if those teams get to a point where they're fully vaccinated by the end of the second round of the playoffs, and there's proof of that, are you not allowed to come across the border on a private plane? Cause you're no threat to uh, the people that are living in or North of the border in the cities North of the border. I'm not really sure. I don't think it changes anything from for the, for the, for the Leafs or the Habs or the Oilers or the Jets. They're not going to get to the point where they can take all the restrictions off, but maybe this is the opportunity for playoff hockey to remain in Canada beyond the second round. I'm looking at it beyond. I think if the national hockey league finds a way or Canadian teams find a way to have American teams kind of go, you know, back and forth between the Canadian and the U.S. border for playoff games. I could think of a few MLS teams who are like, hey, um, you know, can we not play in Florida and whatever? And any other sport, the like Toronto Blue Jays or in Dunedin yeah. right now. I think there are some other teams who would look at that decision very closely and say, hey, um, is it not too late for us to go back home because we're able to get vaccinated. I saw one of the players on CF Montreal tweet out that they were getting their second dose. So that leads me to believe there are some Canadian teams in the U.S. who are taking advantage of the fact that they are getting their their second dose. And if they're getting fully vaccinated and they're okay and other U.S. teams are able to do it, why not just have those teams fly back and forth and have them follow the precautions they need to follow, obviously, and, and have it be safe for everybody? Not to mention... Some of those venues in Canada already, with the vaccines being out, are already looking to have fans in the stands. I think if Canadian teams in the NHL were able to find a way to have Canadian teams host playoff games this year, that could be a huge decision with massive ramifications for sports in our country going forward. I think that's a huge story that could happen. Uh, I think the word that I was uh, probably trying to find on my my last spiel was optics. I think the Leafs... you know, in terms of optics, they played this exactly right. And I think the optics is what's going to prevent ultimately what probably could happen from happening, uh, at least over the next few months. But as I as I think about a little bit more what I was saying, it does still require for, for a Canadian team to host games, it does still require them to cross the border with only one dose and then re-enter with only one dose. And I think that ultimately is probably going to be the sticking point in the end and why the Canadian team probably finishes the season in the United States, which is unfortunate, but Hey, maybe, maybe we are at the point in a month where the second dose has been administered again, that would, that would, uh, entail that they'd have to probably jump the line because as much as first 
doses are available to people right now. Second doses are not being administered to people yet. So uh, I think that preferential treatment will will not be at their disposal. And ultimately, they're probably going to have to finish the season south of the border, which is a huge disadvantage. But with this news, I think we can confidently say that we're going to get through this season safely wherever it's played in the end. And again, that is the most important thing. Yeah, that's look, just get me to my jab. I'm not to make it about me here. Just get me to my jab. And I'm sure some of those guys on those NHL teams are thinking the same thing, too whether or not, however they feel about the vaccine. If it, anything for the Stanley Cup, right? If it means you got to take that vaccine, like, I mean, obviously life and death, but you'd think they'd apply that motto here for, for Lord Stanley's mug at the end of the season. Well, I got mine and a lot of Toronto folks, Toronto media folks, Toronto people I know, you know, the community is getting vaccinated and it's like, it's a pretty awesome feeling to see people. Oh, man. Uh, and you're going to be there very soon. Uh, again, we've talked about how this isn't, we're not all going to the finish line together, but I mean, you're right around the corner, as you mentioned. Uh, and a lot of people here are, you know, just feeling safer, a little better. And it, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's just flat out awesome. I, I bet, man. Like I, I can't wait until I get double vacked up and then, you know, I can start hugging people, giving <laughs> people depth. Uh, traveling to other places. I already said it. When it's safe for me to do it, I'm going to Toronto and I'm spending the entire week and I'm meeting all of the internet friends I met throughout the pandemic, including yourself, uh, in Toronto in person. Because I'll say this, like there are a lot of people who went through some really rough times this pandemic. And I mean, I'm not going to lie and like I, and act like I didn't go through rough times this pandemic either. But I had some good moments in this pandemic. And I met a lot of cool people with some of the different opportunities that I had. And I cannot wait to give everyone a big hug as soon as that is possible for myself. Hopefully when you're in Toronto, our studio will be back. We won't have to do this over Zoom. We can do a, an episode <laughs> in the flesh, maybe a, a season preview, maybe a Seattle Kraken expansion, uh, aftermath show, something cool. And, you know, there's good things ahead. And, you know, everyone getting vaccinated is obviously uh, the precedent to, to all that. Okay. Um, before next show, I think we'll be we'll be talking about playoff games. Yeah, uh, the regular season won't be over. I don't think until next Saturday, but I think the Stanley Cup playoffs will have started before then because we're not just going to sit around and wait for Vancouver to finish their season, uh, not in a pandemic at least. Um, no. So let's do some picks. Let's do some final four picks, some semifinal as the NHL wants it to call it, not conference final picks, and some Stanley Cup predictions. Um, I guess we can start in the North. We can, you can, you know, provide a little rationale. We can be brief. We can be long winded, whatever you want to do, but let's go through it one by one of the division. And then from those four teams that we've selected, we'll pick a Stanley cup champion or a Stanley cup final and then a champion. So you can kick it off. We'll start with the North division. Who's coming out of it. I would be very surprised if it was a team other than the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just think this is the year that the, put it together and they get some serious wins out of it. Not to mention the competition in that division is just, they've been below them. But I'll say this, if we get a Toronto Edmonton series, man, you get Connor McDavid versus, versus Austin Matthews, galaxy brain, bro. Like, like that would be so sick. Are you kidding me? Like, that'd be, I mean, look, Toronto, Montreal. Well, it should happen. It should happen. It should happen. Like Toronto, Montreal. It would be the first time it'll happen since 1979. And I still think with the way that the Canadians, uh, the fact they have so many guys injured right now and they'll have healthy players coming back, they could still make a series out of it. I don't think they'd win, but I think it could be six, seven games if they really play their cards right and everyone's healthy. Plus, it would be fun for you and I and other fans of the sport to watch a good Toronto-Montreal series. Yeah. Toronto-Edmonton, you have the two best players in the game playing each other in the playoffs. Come on, man. Come on, man. Like, that is fun. That would be fun. I get it. The North Division has not provided a lot of competition, but the potential series here that could come out of this would be great. I just see Toronto coming out of this at the end. Uh, just just because I think, like, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, the way they've played all year together, that's going to play a huge role. They have the veterans below in their lineup to kind of insulate that talent as well. I know goaltending is, is the one kind of question mark with this team. I still mm -hmm. think the team in front of them uh, kind of – helps them get over the top so i think it's strong yeah um you know the north division has been a bit of bit of a flop i think it's been a little bit disappointing yeah. for for most people who thought it was going to be just outstanding race that lasted the entire year uh i think toronto has clearly 
you know, identified itself as the best team in this division. And therefore, I think they should get through. It seems like problems come up, problems arise, and then they just, you know, kind of cruise through it. I mean, they got down to Montreal and just they came back and won the game pretty easily on Saturday night. That's It seems like it is going to be well within their grasp to get through. And despite it being a flop, you know, Toronto-Montreal, it might be a flop too. Montreal might not be competitive. I hope they are. Um, but listen, we're going to get something that we haven't seen in a very long time. And if Toronto gets through that, as we expect, we could see Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid in the, the, the only time they ever play each other in a postseason. And that would be something to certainly take from the North Division as much as it hasn't lived up to expectations. That will be fun. And I'm with you. I believe Toronto gets through. So we are both penciling in the Toronto Maple Leafs into the final four of the NHL's COVID season. Uh, let's move over to the Central. Hot okay. take? Uh, Tampa Bay is going to come out of that Central. I think okay. Carolina is really good. I think they deserve that division win. Uh, yeah, they're division winners. But Kucherov, Nikita Kucherov's going to be healthy. He's going to be back for this Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Lightning team. They know a thing or two about going through the playoffs. And they're still built for this. Not to mention, you know, the salary cap and all that, not going to be a factor for them at all. Um, I think they come out of this as the division winner here in, and, and head into the Stanley Cup semifinals here. I think that series against Florida will be good for them. And I think they'll be able to beat Carolina in a series. So I have Tampa Bay coming out of that. I would have been with you um, until last night. With Victor Hedman apparently needing surgery, uh, dealing with something that he's going to play through, but something that's going to require surgical intervention at some point. The fact that they are only going to finish second or third in the division, they're going to have to play two difficult series to get through, while Carolina only has to play one difficult series to get through. I think the the Kita Kucherov factor is huge, but I don't think they run as efficiently as they have in previous postseasons, or at least last year's postseason, without Victor Hedman. It doesn't matter who's in the lineup up front. Victor Hedman gives them everything, it seems. Um, And if he's not right, and he hasn't been right for the last month, we've talked about the Norris Trophy debate like opening up. It's probably because Norris or Victor Hedman is playing injured. And if he's not playing at the top of his game over the last month of the season because he's injured, why would he play at the top of his game injured in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I think Carolina is the team that can knock them off. I think Carolina's been as consistent as any team in the entire league this year. I think they're one of the best coach teams in the league. I think they have an underrated amount of talent. And I think Alex Nedeljkovic, easy for me to say, uh, is a goaltender that could potentially put them over the top. I think their issues have been in goal in recent playoffs. That's been what's held them back. And again, you're putting a lot on a rookie or a young guy. Uh, but I think he can give them the goaltending they need. So I will take Carolina as another top seed to get out of its division. Okay, let's go to the East. This is as, I mean, this is the only division where you'd actually consider a fourth seed, I think. Yeah. That's just me and you, I guess. Um, But uh, this is hotly contested. Pittsburgh's going to win it in terms of, you know, just at least regular season standings. Uh, Washington, Boston, and the New York Islanders, who you got? Man, um, I have Pittsburgh winning it, which is really interesting considering how they went from this underrated team with an underrated superstar player into having a great end to their season. And I think history shows they've needed those great ends to their season to propel them on those Stanley Cup runs. And just when we thought that that Stanley Cup window was closing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think it's pretty open for them again and I could see them coming out of that division that I know Boston has, has kind of made a few teams you know look at them a little differently with the addition of of Taylor Hall here but I think David Pasternak has also needs, needs to step his game up too and I think that's going to be a huge yeah. factor for them uh the New York Islanders with the with the additions that they made with Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac they haven't necessarily worked all that well as they would have liked them to and now they're in a position where they're they've fallen back in the standings as a fourth seed they might not even get out of the first round here uh, and Washington, we got another Pittsburgh-Washington series here. You know, I get it. Like, either team could come out of that. But I think Pittsburgh gets the better of them again in a series like that. So I, I have Pittsburgh Penguins and the, and the Sidney Crosby-led team right back in the Stanley Cup semifinals. Just when we thought we were not going to have Sidney Crosby uh, do well, uh, which is kind of really ridiculous to think. Sidney Crosby not doing well. But still, Pittsburgh is going to come out of it. History could very well repeat itself, and I'd be lying if 
as a Sidney Crosby stand that I wouldn't like to see Pittsburgh get through. Um, and they probably have the best, I mean, a lot of talk about Taylor Hall, but I think Jeff Carter has been the single best trade uh, acquisition or trade deadline acquisition. Uh, just a brilliant move and something that just is so, it seems so obvious thinking about it now, but it's just, it was a perfect move made by Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. But I'm going to go with the Boston Bruins. Um, Pittsburgh is going to have a difficult round one if they play the New York Islanders, I think. It's not yeah. the greatest matchup for them. While Boston is going to probably get the Washington Capitals, who are not with Alex Ovechkin right now, not seemingly the healthiest team at the moment, lots of issues with Evgeny Kuznetsov, issues in goal. I think Boston is going to be able to pluck off Washington in that 2-3 series. And then I don't know if it's a sure thing that Pittsburgh gets past the Islanders, but if they do, I like the way Boston matches up against Pittsburgh as well. I think Boston-Pittsburgh be the best possible uh, division final, if that's what we're calling it. Again, we're trying to learn all this new lingo here. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to go with Boston to get through as the... I think he's, they're going to end up being the third seed. But I, I think this if there is a dark horse, dark horse in terms of where they are seated right now, uh, I'm going to go with the Boston Bruins. So they're my third team. Okay, let's wrap it up. West Division. Uh, it seems like a two-horse race. Maybe Minnesota's inserted itself. Uh, but certainly the top seed seems like it's an important one to to grab hold of uh who do you think's coming out of the west this pains me because i had colorado tampa as my stanley cup final for the entire year and now i think vegas is going to come out of it i think a vegas colorado series would be really fun but vegas has hit that top gear and i see them as that team coming out of it with with man it's just i'm bummed man i really want colorado to succeed there's like this weird, maybe maybe for predictions sake maybe that's it maybe it's just the fact that i i'm a big happiness fan of mckinnon's play that that too like sure but like i i don't want to be wrong here but then again i'm wrong a lot not more than i'm right though but i am wrong a lot um i'll say that i mean i gotta say that i don't want everyone thinking i'm wrong all the time you don't want you don't want people listening to this podcast being like why does he have this guy who's wrong all the time you don't want that um, he's literally Vegas, he's literally batting 0.00 what's what's going on like what is this like <laughs> Yahoo Sports just lets anybody out here um I'll say Vegas just because of the fact that the way that they're built and I I think they get the better of of a Colorado in in a series against them and I see them in that Stanley Cup semifinal which again it pains me because I want to see Colorado succeed if I'm wrong about this one I'll be very happy uh, I'm with you on Toronto and I'm with you on Vegas. Uh, I think the fact that Vegas looks like it's going to win the division, it isn't sewn up completely yet. I believe actually if Colorado wins out, they do win the division. But one of those games is Vegas uh, tomorrow night, which is probably the game of the year, at least the game of the year in terms of ones remaining. Um, but I, I think it's a big, big deal to avoid playing the Minnesota Wild in the first round, not only because they could upset you, not only because you have to deal with Kirill Kaprizov, but they might beat you up a little bit too. Uh, so we've seen what happens when Colorado wastes games, when has you know has to play more than they should. It can be a problem. And if Minnesota takes a major bite out of the Colorado Avalanche, I could see Vegas, you know, getting them exactly where they want them after you know cruising to a series victory over the St. Louis Blues, who I just don't think have anything for the Vegas Golden Knights. But Vegas is just, you know, as much as they had issues at the start of the year, not being able to play complete rosters, having so much money tied up in goal and, and everything sort of not looking optimized. They've just been full steam ahead juggernaut and they just got all the fans back in the building. I think it's going to be a nightmare to go back there. It's going to be popping on night one of the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. I think Vegas, you know, as we, I don't want to ruin my Stanley Cup pick, but I'll, I'll just say it. I think as one expansion team comes in, it could be coming into a league where the latest expansion team reigns supreme. Uh, I think Vegas is is at the very top uh, right now in terms of Stanley Cup contenders. And I, I do think as much as I'd love to see Colorado get through and match up with a Toronto or a Tampa or a Carolina, I think Vegas is the team that comes out of the West Division. Um, okay, so both have Toronto. You have Tampa yeah. Bay, I have Carolina. You have Pittsburgh, I have Boston. And we both have Vegas, so... Are, are we going to end up with something unanimous here in the Stanley Cup final? How do you think, uh, who gets to the Stanley Cup final and, and obviously who wins? I think we both have Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. Am I correct? 
We do. We do. Okay. So Vegas is there. I have Pittsburgh Vegas. Okay. I, 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 I think Pittsburgh will be, I think that'd be pretty sick. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, I would like Vegas over them, but um, I mean, a series with just those two teams would just be plain fun. I, again, I just think for the fact that uh, Vegas being a top contending team and, and doing so as well as they have so far, uh, I have them as, as just over Pittsburgh here. I think you make great points about Boston. And of course I kind of, I pointed out the fact that other teams in that division are looking at them a little bit differently, but yeah, I, I think the Vegas golden Knights kind of edge, they edge the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'll give them seven games. I'll give them a seven game series. I think we get a really fun one. I don't want to. Yeah. But you, because this is like a ridiculous thing. You, you know, just, it doesn't really apply to the conversation, but I don't think they could actually meet in the Stanley cup final because they're going to reseed. And I believe the oh, Penguins wait, will it? have the fewest points is it when all when all said and done? But I oh, mean, that's man. neither here nor there. That's fine. Is it, it? still happen? I thought I had it right because because I had Tampa, so they have seventy five right now. No, oh, cause sorry, because right I'm looking at Carolina. So you're right. Yeah, Tampa would. Tampa yeah, has right. seventy five, and then then again, we're going off of the point totals that are there. Because Tampa seventy five, Pittsburgh is seventy seven, Toronto is seventy six, and Vegas has eighty. So it would be Toronto will. Toronto will end up with more than seventy six. But you're right because if you have Tampa, then Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. So that is that is very possible. That means it would be Pittsburgh and Toronto in the second round and Vegas mm-hmm. and Tampa, which would be pretty good. Um, in under my scenario, that can't happen. So right. I wasn't going that way anyway, but just for my my own uh my own situation here, I'm gonna go with Vegas over Carolina. I think they'll be the top two seeds anyway, Ooh. so that probably does work. Um I just think Carolina is gonna be too much for whoever comes out, probably Toronto. I think that's well, the Toronto. Is, yeah, I'm doing all this mental math in my it's head, but, math. but it doesn't matter. This is just a hypothetical. I've got Vegas over Carolina. The two best teams I think in the entire league for the regular season have been Vegas and Carolina. So I will stick with that. I believe both those two teams will be too much for whoever comes out of the other divisions. Uh, I think they're playing just a different brand of hockey right now. I think Carolina is just you know they've been playing in a really tough division. I mean, it's maybe the the, the bottom of it's not as great, but They've, they've gotten the better of both Tampa and Florida, and those are two legitimate teams. Uh, so I think Carolina is going to be able to be, you know, maybe the 100-mile fastball that Toronto Maple Leafs can't hit, and I think Vegas is probably going to have the most points, and they're going to take care of business who over whoever um, has the least amount of points that gets through. So I will take the Vegas Golden Knights over the Carolina Hurricanes over the Stanley Cup final. You've got Vegas and Pittsburgh, so who wins between those two? I say Vegas wins in about six seven games i'll give them seven games there it is unanimously we are picking the vegas golden knights to win the stanley cup on this podcast uh this is your chance to you know bat over 0.00 if you're right just get me over the mendoza line which is like 200 i'm good with that that's that's a reasonable reasonable uh expectation on yourself is just just to get past the Mendoza line. Okay, yeah. the uh, let's get to the segment where we're always batting 1,000, which is the tire pump. Yeah. Uh, there it is. It's not in the it's not in the glass case yet, but it is at your disposal, and I will let you kick it off with the uh, the final tire pump of regular season play. So I thought, considering today is Mother's Day, uh, at first I thought it'd be cool to do some kind of weird Mother's Day tribute, but I then I thought my mother deserves a lot better than a tire pump. So uh, I love you, Mom. Uh, happy. Mother's I mean, it Day. is the highest order on this podcast. So I mean, absolutely for sure. But uh, I don't even know if my mom. Li- my mom does not listen to this podcast. I'll just be real. She doesn't like. I mean, we're almost an hour in. If she got to almost an hour in, I mean. She deserves flowers anyway, but I'll give her I'll give her the applause. My so mom certainly doesn't. <laughs> so instead, uh, I'm giving the tire pump uh, to TSN 690. Uh, I'll okay. put the puck a little closer here. Uh, the uh, radio station that celebrated its 20th anniversary this past nice. week. They were originally branded as the Team 990, uh, then eventually branded into Team 690. And then when they were swallowed up by Bell, they turned into a TSN radio station. I spent uh, quite a bit of time, maybe a bit longer than I should have as an intern for them. So I got to work with a lot of their great hosts that are still at the station. I got to do some promo intern stuff with them. Eventually worked my way up to the point where I was freelancing and doing some board op work and and guest hosting. Uh, The highlight of my time with them was over the past Christmas holidays, uh, guest hosting their drive show 
with a Sean Campbell, who is like Mr. Everyman at that station, board opping, play-by-play, hosting, does everything. And, there, and Dan Robertson, who is the radio voice of the Munchau Canadians and sometimes will make appearances on TSN TV. TSN 690 also has the best radio host in the country in Mitch Melnick. His guests every week are pretty much better than so many other radio stations or radio shows across the country. And he is just a treasure trove of knowledge. And I'll say this, I understand the market that we're in in Montreal, where predominantly Francophone speaking, very small Anglophone population. And even at that, the low, the uh, the listenership for TSN 690 has not always been high. It even got to a point where the station uh, very closely uh, turned into a French language sports radio station, but a petition was circulated that ultimately saved the radio station from being turned that way. So that just goes to show the loyalty of listeners that have been with that station over the last 20 years. And I'm very proud to say that at one point in my career in sports media, I spent time with TSN 690 and I have a lot of great memories there and I have a lot of great respect for a lot of people who work there. So my tire pump for this week goes to TSN 690. Happy anniversary, 20 years young, and hopefully there will be 20 years more and beyond for that station. Shout out to TSN 690. Now we know where you got all that polish, Julian. Hey, hey, look, uh, I was very raw coming into TSN 690. They definitely played a role in my development. That's awesome. Uh, Okay. I'm going to go with, I mean, I was tempted to go with Jeff Carter, who did, uh, he had the Joe Thornton special with four goals against the Buffalo Sabres. uh, And Pittsburgh's just been on fire since they got him. Also, Sam Bennett eclipsed Pavel Bure in terms of production through 10 games to start his career with with the Florida Panthers. Those two are worth mentioning. And I think TJ Oshie's worth mentioning. I didn't pick it because I thought you might be going that way, but TJ Oshie definitely deserves a tire pump in the Oshie family. But I'm going to go with Connor Bedard. Um, he's al- already doing incredible things at the international level, and he's more than two years away from likely being drafted first overall in the NHL draft. The 15-year-old Wonderkind was a force for Canada who won the world under-18 championships this week. He tied Connor McDavid for the most points ever by an under-16 uh, skater um, at the tournament with seven goals and seven assists, 14 points. Uh, just this guy's incredible. I mean, he's just a absolute highlight machine and I can't wait to track his progress over the next two years before, as I mentioned, he gets drafted likely first overall. He's probably going to be on the next two world junior teams uh, with Shane Wright, who also was a stud at that tournament. Like we're always waiting for that next superstar to come out of Canada. And, you know, we talk about the balance of power, maybe shifting to the U S I'm not there. I mean, we talked about it. I'm not quite there yeah. yet. But the best of the best always seems to be that next Canadian. I mean, Austin Matthews is up there, obviously, but Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, maybe Connor Bedard next. I mean, these are the guys that like drive Hockey Canada, and I can't wait to see what he can do with more opportunities to put his highlight reel type of play on display. So in Bedard, Canada has the next legitimate superstar in waiting, uh, and it's going to be exciting to continue tracking his career. So my tire pump goes to Connor Bedard and multiple tire pumps. To all the moms out there on Mother's Day, your mom, my mom, the mothers of those who listening, of those listening, and the mothers who listen, mm-hmm. of I'm not sure how many there are, but shout out to any moms who are listening to us talk about hockey every week. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'll let you pump anything you're doing. Say happy Mother's Day to your mom if you'd like. Just, uh, uh, I'm not I saying have, sign us off, but you're the, the I have floor a question. Is I actually have a question. Um, okay. I was under the impression uh, that uh, when you said Wonderkind, I thought it was Wonderkind or Wunderkind, I guess, since it's a German word. It's Wonderkind? I mean, I, I wish you didn't pick that out of what all that I said because I probably <laughs> didn't say it Sorry. right. <laughs> Sorry. No, but I it's, no, it's, I, it's fair. No, I didn't want to, I didn't want to embarrass you like that. I would never want to embarrass uh, my, you my, like that, bro. My German is not great, um, but I watch enough soccer or, you know, read up on enough soccer to have seen that word. And, uh, you know, I tried to, I tried it on for size, gave it a go. Maybe I didn't nail it. Perfect. Didn't stick the landing. Wasn't a 10 out of 10, but uh, I think the, the phrase applies. I think so, but I'll just say this about Connor Bedard. That dude is really sick. Like, he's really good. Just the fact that he's able – almost every goalie felt like he was scoring at that tournament. It's like a highlight reel goal. Like, he – that boy's something special. He is very, very special. As well as all the mothers out there, you are all very special. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Uh, I really appreciate you supporting me throughout my journey. Love you very much. Uh, Really appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything else I've got to say. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. There is one thing I'd like okay. to say. Um, noticed uh, a lot of people uh, over the weekend were throwing support uh, mine and Avery's way over some disparaging comments that were left on his own time video. Uh, thanks mm. everyone uh, for the support out there. Uh, it's been cool to see uh, the following for zone time uh, grow in the last few weeks. So uh, thank you very much for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't like giving those mouthpieces any platform to even like affect, you know, what's going on in the world, but uh, you can mention it when enough people rise up and support against, you know, garbage like that. So appreciate shout out to those people who, uh, who, you know, stepped in the way they did. And as you mentioned, shout out to the mom's mom. I love you. I know you won't be listening to this, but maybe I'll cut this segment for you. Yeah. Just so you can see it. All right, man. We'll talk next week. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.